They say money can't buy you happiness, but love isn't free. Welcome to The Cost of Love. In this series, we'll be chatting about the sacrifices, attitudes, highs and lows, as well as the emotional and material price we pay for love. Looking through a child's eyes, you think love is all butterflies and rainbows. But as you grow up, you start to realise that love comes with a little bit more of a price tag. Over the next five episodes, we'll unpack that there's more to love than meets the eye. Whether it's societal expectations, cultural barriers, financial pressure or just wishful thinking. I'm Kamina. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to The Cost of Love. Brought to you by the New Zealand Broadcasting School. Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Cost of Love podcast. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look into the media's representation of relationships. We're constantly being swamped with messages from the media telling us how our relationships should look and how they should make us feel. You know all those classic stereotypes that are shown all the time, like the girl finding her prince charming, candlelit dinners and big romantic gestures, and the super dramatic fights and breakups. So we've been chatting to a few experts and a few of our friends to see what they make of all of this. All right, let's get into it. Carmina, what did you get up to this week? Well, I took myself down to UC and chatted to Dr. Erin Harrington, and she gave me a really good chat and schooled me up about what's coming to us in film and relationships. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Erin. Thank you for having me. What is entertainment media selling us and telling us about relationships? I guess it really depends on the sort of media and the genre that you're working in. So, for instance, I've been thinking a little bit about romantic comedies, having watched a few over the course of lockdown as lovely kind of popcorn fodder. They tell a story and they highlight a certain way of relating between people that actually in real life would be really toxic. Uh, They sell the notion that uh, relationships maybe should be a struggle, that uh, certain types of behaviours which are actually kind of um, damaging or toxic or unhealthy uh, behaviours that we should look for in a relationship, be it you know trying to actively pursue someone maybe against their will or manufacturing conflict because that's what you think a relationship should be, but also the notion that relationships kind of get to a good place and then that's it and you live happily ever after which of course isn't the truth because relationships take work and they change and they evolve. What's the go with gendered relationship portrayals? He proposes, she says yes or no, she wants to be treated like a queen on a date and he picks up the tab. I think at the heart of it we have gendered stereotypes that are about masculinity and femininity and Stereotypes in some cases might have a grain of truth in them and in some cases stereotypes are tools with which we might navigate the world but they are also really reductive and really restrictive and in some cases make people behave in ways that are actually quite uncomfortable to them and maybe don't fit with the sort of relationships that they want but if those are the only gendered scripts that you're offered for your relationships then maybe you know there's there's no surprise that people might think well this is the way to have a relationship because this is the only type of relationship I see around me. That's not to say people are stupid or dupes, but rather we're products of the environments within which we live. How would you explain the lack of both realistic and diverse relationships in today's media? Even as um, as as an academic who looks at film as art and is really interested in television and popular culture as kind of social practices as well as artistic practices, we have to remember that entertainment media is a commercial product. 
television and film are made by companies to make money. Uh, television in particular, although of course, you know, really interesting changes in terms of streaming and different forms of accessing media, exists to sell advertising. Uh, film exists to make money for the companies that create those films. So whenever we think about these portrayals, we have to remember that then, that certainly there might be a mirror that holds up uh, images of ourselves back to us or tells us stories that interest us, but they also have a commercial imperative. So that means that you are portraying things that you think people will want to watch and try and keep them hooked so that you can sell advertising space and so on. I find it really confusing, but also it contributes to the notion that women have certain types of roles and men might have certain types of roles. And actually, because we live in a patriarchal society and we live in a society where for a very long time the voices that create this media have been not diverse at all, and, and they're still not very diverse, to be honest, that we're getting stories that might appeal to certain assumptions about the way that relationships should work, and that's also fantasies about how relationships should work too. Why do we keep basing our relationships off these portrayals if they're unrealistic? So when we think about relationships, we have to say, what are the dominant patterns? And why is it that we have this? And how can we demand better representations? If we respond to these relationships that we see on screen, and again, we don't, you know, we're not monkey see, monkey do. If there are certain types of stories that get all the volume and that take up all the space, then of course we're going to be shaped by that, whether or not we shape it and say, well, actually, that's what I want or we feel uncomfortable, or we feel that the relationships that we have don't fit, but it's complicated. And that's why, as you know, I'm a real advocate for things like watching lots of film, film studies, English, media studies, critical thinking, because that gives you a, a toolkit that allows you to dismantle some of these. Doesn't mean that you can't love that stuff. You know, I love trash, trash is amazing, but we do have to not just see it as an accurate representation of the world, instead it's something that informs the way that we live. So that was a really interesting chat that I had with Aaron, and I'm sure you found that interesting as well. Yeah, Probably the biggest takeaway I had from that was more, I guess, questions in that sense. I got a little bit philosophical about it. So mm. I kind of wondered about, do we take cues um, in relationship? from entertainment media especially when we're new to romance because who's really going to school themselves with psychology books beforehand I mean I kind of did but that's an exception <laughs> um way. yeah uh sort of like if we thought about a situation where somebody's asking us out and we want to refuse them we see excuses in television and that and we usually parrot those rather than actually being honest and assertive when we refuse them yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is super interesting. But I guess you would, because what else would you do when you're 12 years old and being asked out by a boy you don't like? Of course, you're going to close up and just parrot something that you've already seen. But <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. My biggest takeaway from that chat and listening to that was how uh, movies are romanticizing toxic behaviors in relationships. Mm. Um, I just thought that was super true. Even just very recently, we've been talking about it this week, but the 365 days. Oh, yeah. I watched that last night, and that movie is disgusting. Oh. I hated it. It was so <laughs> gross. But yeah, it's just interesting what she said about how we are products of the environment in which we live. Mm. And now, looking at stereotypes as well, I'm finding it quite hard to work out whether or not 
the movies are copying us or whether we are copying the movies and these toxic things that we're seeing in the movies, are they based off real life or are they... Yeah, like, are we the mirror or are they the mirror? Yeah. Is it what we're already doing in this kind of circular thing that I keep going around in my head and I just can't figure out what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Mm, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, we took those ideas that Erin was talking about and we took them to the streets and we asked a couple of people for their opinion on movies and how the media is portraying relationships. I think the movies are a lot more exaggerated and romantic. Um, compared to me, I'm not very romantic at all. No. Because when we are at our highs, they're not as high as what you would see in the movies. They're not as glitz and glam as they show them. And our lows would have to be a lot lower than what they would portray in movies. It's not always the boy comes and saves the day at the end and it's all rainbows and butterflies it does definitely have its moments but you would expect that in a real relationship regardless are on-screen relationships real or the portrayal of relationships real um i'd like to think on-screen relationships are real but realistically probably not i've seen in cases of love island a few very minimal though have worked out and have still managed to stay together years after being on the show but in a lot of cases they don't. And do you think having these overly attractive, hypersexualized people on TV has given you an unrealistic expectation of what to want in a relationship and what to look for in a relationship? Oh yes, definitely. I think um, movies and TV shows portray this perfect, beautiful woman and that's probably not very realistic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, not only for women, like for men as well, we've got unrealistic body images of what we have to attain. Like, uh, most men have you know, expected to have a six pack of abs and huge arms and stuff to feel good about themselves and the same goes both ways for women as well and yeah, it's pretty shit. Next up we spoke to Chris Vavasor from the New Zealand Broadcasting School where she is a tutor. Welcome to the show Chris, lovely to have you join us. Thank you, lovely to be here. Alrighty, let's jump right into the questions, let's get into the good stuff. In the world of mainstream music and music videos, what messages are we coming across when it comes to relationships? It's an interesting question and a lot of different answers. Uh, and I think often it depends on who is making the video, uh, what genre the music is part of, and what the song is about. The manufactured aspect is really, really important to remember because this is not real life. This is a manufactured scenario. These are people playing characters often, uh, representing a certain style or point of view. And yeah, it's, it's not real. It is manufactured. And it plays on a lot of quite tired tropes about women, about men and about relationships. Do you reckon that over the years, breakup songs have become more depressive and or hostile? There's a lot of things that have changed over time. Uh, the way that we view songs from times gone by in light of current standards and morals is one thing. Um, but ultimately, a lot of what we can see if we dig into the conversations around music videos and women in videos or women making videos and songs about relationships and relationship breakups is that there are different standards applied to men and women and those still shine through loud and clear. Women are perhaps more 
able and free to express themselves, but the backlash that they get from that still exists. We look at music videos by Rihanna, who has taken this idea of female agency, uh, you know, right up there. She makes videos that cause strong reactions because the woman is in charge. This is female agency we're seeing expressed in her videos. And I saw something referred to on Twitter, and it actually came from the headline of a, a magazine article from The Atlantic. And it said, why does Rihanna keep killing men in music videos? To which most of the responses were, well, why do men keep killing women in real life? So in terms of breakup songs, she's done a, a couple that are, are really quite fascinating. Um, you know, great song, for example, another Rihanna one, Bitch Better Have My Money. You know, she is existing and expressing herself as a black woman living in a white world where she herself had been ripped off by an accountant. And this video plays out this kind of fantasy. And it annoys people. It really annoys people. It drives them wild that this woman is powerful, has agency, and wants to express herself in this way. And one last question, a little bit more off topic, but a lot of us typically when we look for entertainment media we're sort of just looking for a bit of an out and we don't approach everything with a critical mind. What should we have in mind when we come across um, say songs or films or series even when it comes down to unrealistic relationships or elements of that? Should we have some things in mind just you know to remember that this is just a representation, this is actually to make money? What should we be thinking? I think a lot of it comes down to motivation what is this piece of work, whether it's a music video or a movie or, you know, story, what is this actually trying to say? Is this giving me an understanding of something that I might not have had um, individual, you know, engagement with? Or is it just something a little more surface? Is it just playing into these tropes that exist without actually considering what effect it might have? So, yeah, always question the motivation of what you're watching because that will help guide what you should and can get out of it. Another super, super interesting chat from Chris there. She is our lecturer at the New Zealand Broadcasting School, so we're pretty lucky to have her. Um, what were your biggest takeaways from that one, Carmina? My biggest takeaway? Well, I'm still riding that philosophical train as I am. And uh, she brought up some interesting facts there about how the media changes with the times that we're living in. So I had a wee thought come to me just before. Um, a bit of a long-running conversation between me and my dad is he'll often complain about down-and-out society, about why don't I hear people whistling anymore? And then I always come back to him and say, that's because you're a man. If you're a woman, <laughs> you still hear it, yes, and for sir. all the wrong reasons. Yes, uh, absolutely. That is pretty funny. <laughs> My biggest takeaway from that is just kind of the double standards that we're continuously seeing between men and women. And I come back to this one all the time, and I always talk about it with my friends, but how when you see little kids running around and if someone is showing leadership qualities, if it's a boy, they're always described as a leader. If it's a woman, they're always described as bossy. And that word absolutely triggers me. I hate it so much. But regardless of what you're doing, we're just always continuously seeing these double standards for men and women. And Chris highlighted that again for me. We've unpacked what's the go with relationships in music and movies, but what about reality television? My name is Caitlin, I'm 20 years old, and my favourite dating show would have to be Love Island, UK. 
Caitlin, like a good number of us, have made up for the show's success in Aotearoa. MediaWorks says while it didn't rate as a peak show, it proved to be their best ever on demand. On the other hand, Married at First Sight Australia stood out on Kiwi screens as the top-rating reality TV drama. And it's us ladies, possibly with mum in the mix as well, who accounted for those numbers with the series finding a sweet spot with females 25 to 54. I've jumped on the phone to ask Emma White, head of unscripted television at Warner Brothers International Television New Zealand, about the authenticity of their dating shows. Contrary to popular belief is that we do not manipulate story or take storylines out of context. And I think that that's an important ethical boundary that we choose not to cross here at Warner's. And, and it's not particularly crossed in New Zealand. Um, reality, to be honest, as you often see in other parts of the world. Rather, we prefer to take the most dramatic parts of the character's real journey and cut out the boring stuff. And by that, we keep the highs and the lows of their storyline. And contrary to popular belief, care is taken to ensure participants have an ethical on-screen experience. Participant welfare on any of our reality television shows, including and particularly the dating ones. We have comprehensive site testing for participants before they come on a show to make sure they are suitable. We have ongoing counselling throughout the show to make sure there is someone outside of the production they can reach in confidence. And we have ongoing counselling and care for as long as required after the show. Yet before the sceptical crowd switch channels, Emma says there are a couple of things to keep in mind. We're looking at a cast that, for whatever reason, um, have decided they want to come on television and find love. So the first thing is, don't be critical of someone that, um, in some cases, done everything they can and is desperate to have a relationship. And it's a marriage of hope and escape which his dating show junkie, Caitlin, glued. And to be honest, it probably makes me feel a little bit better about myself that I'm not trapped in this island with a bunch of, you know, hopeless, like, romantics and bimbos. I went, you know, on a date or something. No one really cares. Whereas these people, if, you know, someone, he talks to another girl in the villa, it's scandalous. As Emma explains, we have our reasons for tuning in in the first place. You know, Married at First Sight, The Bachelor, they also create a sense of community because... People always get more involved when they can connect to someone in the show that has the same values as them. And you will find from a reality television um, cast, there is always someone like you, but you won't necessarily find that in a drama. You won't necessarily find that in Game of Thrones. So, so yeah, so people can relate, and I think that's, that's huge. With an ongoing demand, reality television will continue to entertain the Caitlins for time to come. Yes, always, yes. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. I will never stop. And there we have it. Reality TV myths debunked. All right, next up in the show, we've got a segment called Flat Chat. I found throughout the week that me and Carmina were having a lot of conversations that also take place between me and my friends, so I decided to bring a microphone home, stick it in front of them, and get their thoughts on a few things. Hello, girls. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we start, would you just want to go around and say who you are? I'm Georgina. I'm Kahu. And I'm Alia. And these are my flatmates. And I have got some topics that I'm going to bring to them because I want to know their opinions. Is your relationship one from the movies or has it been? 
<laughs> a terrible fucking movie. <laughs> In terms of expectations versus reality, what would you say the movies prepared you for versus what you got? I think the movies prepared me for like the special times that were there and the expectations about what could be special and what couldn't be. I don't think it set me up very well for the emotional backlash that relationships have and the emotional um, weight that relationships have and when it goes wrong in the movies it just looks like all you know everyone just moves on and it doesn't really portray the way that you carry it around as baggage. I feel like when you're younger and you're seeing relationships on movies and TV you're more likely to feel like it's real if that's what your parents are like mm. if that's what yeah. you see them doing like kissing and mm-hmm. affectionate and all that uh, my parents are not affectionate but yeah. like that's fine they do they do them you know I just never really was like yeah oh, that's that's it <laughs> I believed everything when I was younger and I to this day find myself getting disappointed because I haven't got the romance that's in the movies even though that is just so unrealistic and so hard to achieve but like I go on a date and it's not candle lit and there's <laughs> always a part of me that's like where are the candles where are the roses but that's I, w- I don't even think I would want that it, I think if that happened, I would be so turned off and just not into it and overwhelmed. Is partner snatching and relationships falling apart on reality TV entertaining for you? It's entertaining on TV, yeah. (sighs) Do you think it's harmful putting that stuff out there, though? Especially for younger viewers. Seeing that sort of behaviour and just thinking it's, yeah, I can go out and steal this chick's boyfriend. Because that's essentially what it is. It's just on a more grander scale. Are you worried that it's romanticising, stealing, partner snatching? Yeah, and cheating. cheating. And definitely. I think it has definitely impacted today's dating or whatever you want to call it. What's your biggest issue with the messages entertainment media is selling us? How unrealistically easy relationships look. And they actually require time and work and they're not for everyone. They're not an end goal for everybody. We need more showing that you can grow together, but you can also outgrow each other. Mm. And like, that's okay. We don't see anything about that sort of stuff. Yeah. Unless we're like on a um, Instagram looking at some YouTuber who's broken up with their boyfriend and yeah. they've posted a video. That's all yeah. we see of it. Yeah, movies really set way too high of expectations like the highs and the lows in the movies are way too extreme for what there actually is sometimes there's just a blah in a relationship and there's not a high and a low but it's not bad either i think from all of the conversations that we had in this episode one thing which we should all keep in mind is just to always have a critical eye when we watch things and don't just let everything soak into you like a sponge um what would you say to that kate yeah i i do agree i love to pull out the old uh, year 11 media studies hypodermic needle model um yeah you can't just soak everything up like a sponge you do have to have a critical mind but in saying that i do love a bit of shit tv and i do love turning love island on and just tuning out when i can so you know oh (laughs) you gotta have the best of both worlds you know you got a critical mind but then also enjoy yourself as well and true that for our students as well because sometimes we do need a bit of a mindless laugh yes that is absolutely true
What have we got next week on the show, Carmina? Next week, I can't give you too many hints. I'll give you a wee teaser trailer, though. We're going to be taking a look at weddings and marriage and the evolution of such. Mm, sounds very interesting. No spoilers, though. You're going to no have to come spoilers. back next week. That's right. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you back next week on The Cost of Love. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.